Hi, I'm Shereen Patek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to executives who are changing the playbook for the industry one decision at a time. Equinox isn't a gym. Well, it is a gym, but it's a lot of other things. At least that's what they tell me. The fast-growing company has done everything from create high-end workout hotspots to launching hotels, and it keeps expanding its footprint. Next up, they're apparently coming from media, um, which makes me a little scared. So, so excited to welcome today Jason LaRose. Jason is the CEO of Equinox Media. Hi, Jason. Hi, thanks for having me. We're excited to have you. So here you're coming for my job. That's what I'm taking away from this. Uh, that's not what I would take away from this at all, <laughs> but we're, uh, we're happy to talk about it. Let's talk a little bit about what you're trying to do. Tell me what it means to be CEO of Equinox Media. Uh, well, I mean, I think for us, you know, what Equinox, you, you hinted a little bit about what Equinox is and what it's what it's grown up to be. Um, more than anything, I think it's just been a curator of experiences. Um, and over time, a place that does a remarkably good job of listening to its members. Um, the members today are are asking for uh, what on-demand fitness can look like, what, uh, what membership can look like, both in a physical and in a digital world. And so it's an opportunity for us to take some of these great brands that we have access to and, and bring them into an on-demand space so that we can can stay in stride with the life of, of our of our members. So we're excited about it. That's a great 30,000 foot level explanation. Let's now spend the next 30 minutes getting deeper in that. I love it. Uh, okay. So the, the first thing is, you know, we've actually had, um, we've had someone from Equinox on the show before. It was a little while ago. And I think I remember sort of, you know, them talking a lot about just the immense amount of sort of data that, you know, they have on members voluntarily collected, of course. But And the decisions that they're making, and I was struck by this at the time because I was like, wow, this is a company that, you know, a lot of people say they're data-driven, but they really are. You really are data-driven. When you're talking about, okay, you know that members are asking for something, you know what you're trying to do, let's talk first about what is the vision here? What are you trying to build as a company? And then talk to me a little bit about how you're listening to members and saying, okay, this is what they want, and then how that translates into an on-demand media experience? Sure. Um, There's a lot in that, so hopefully I get through it all. Um, You know, when we look at our members today, no matter what cohort they're in, in terms of the number of times per week, let's say that they check into a club, they would like to be with us more. Every one of those cohorts, when we surveyed them, said they would like to be with us more. They'd like to work out more. Um, it's a very not surprised by that. I really like to work out every day. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I think it's it's not surprising that Americans start the year usually saying, "This is the year. I'm really going to do it more." Uh, and I think that's pretty normal. Um, so for this group, uh, no matter what that cohort is, they'd like to work out more. But getting to the club isn't always possible. Um, I end up with a dinner. I end up on the road. I'm in a hotel, whatever it is. And we're just trying to help them achieve their goals. I mean, we have very committed members who have fitness objectives. They don't want to plateau. They want to get better. And so how do we help them do that inside of the pace of a, of a world where routine almost doesn't exist anymore? And so the vision is really to take these great brands and all this content that we have available, the 6,000 instructors we have available, and to really try to digitize those in a way that you can take them with him, with you wherever you go. So when you do end up in a hotel or at home or when you run out of time to even make it to your club that might only be a five-minute walk away, um, that we're allowing you to achieve those goals and, and allowing you to have no days off if that's really your aspiration. How did sort of this idea, you know, come about? I mean, I'm, I'm curious just internally, you're having these discussions. I mean, again, you've had great instructors for a very long time, many of whom are extremely popular in social media. The people are following them on Instagram. I think SoulCycle especially kind of built an entire sort of, I think that was one of the first times that people were saying, wait, these instructors are like superstars I and mean, they're talent, right? What was the discussion like internally? Like, okay, what are we, what can we do to make this a reality? And how does that translate into creating a platform really, which is what you're trying to do? Well, I mean, I, I think there's a great history here already, right? Uh, from an experience standpoint. So Equinox has been around for more than 20 years 
members. And really, they've, they've just done a great job of, of listening to their members and following their way through the market. They, they launched Blink Fitness in 2013. They, they acquired SoulCycle in 2011, which you alluded to as a really, has a really amazing following, some really amazing instructors who are, are stars in their own right. So, um, you know, following them through the journey has been, has just been part of the DNA, I think, of the company overall. But when you watch what they're doing today, those members, those members, 90% of our members are doing at least one self-guided workout every single month. So they're not necessarily with an instructor. They're not with a personal trainer, but they're trying to figure out what it is they're supposed to do, whether they're on the floor of our clubs or they happen to be in their home or in a hotel. So um, it's really, I think, just a reaction to what those members are already doing and, and following the consumer. What's cool in this space for us is that Digital in many industries is disintermediating what physical looks like. Um, I, I haven't been to a travel agent in a long time. I, I don't go to the bank very often. Um, but this is a place where both digital and physical are growing because the wellness economy is accelerating so quickly. And so when you see a, a $4 trillion wellness economy, um, when you see you know, gym or club memberships at an all-time high in this country, while you also see you know, digital content going through the roof, um, I think you know that you're onto something, something where you really need to go with the energy and, and follow the consumer. You've said so much in there that I need to unpack. Let's talk first about the digital physical thing here. At the end of the day, you want people to come and work out, whether they come and do it in your actual clubs or now it seems like it's okay if they're even doing it in their hotel rooms or in their own homes as long as they're using your content to maybe help them and guide them. Do I have it right? We definitely want people to work out more, um, but we want them to work out more because they'll be healthier and it's it's also their right. goal. And um, it's also good for your business. For sure. It's right. good You're for our business. Make money. Of course. Okay. So you've got loads of people who come in and you mentioned so much about sort of serving and asking members and you threw that great stat in there, which was like, people are still doing one kind of guided workout every single week. Month. I think month. Okay. What is kind of that like surveying and all of that data when you're getting it? How are you even starting to get it? Because I think you talk a lot about sort of member surveys and so on. Is that kind of the sole source of data? Because you've got a great app. That app I know has a wealth of information. How are you starting with taking all this great information and saying, okay, how does that translate into what you're trying to do, which is build a media business? Yeah. Well, I mean, in fairness, I mean, that data existed before I was here. You know, I I joined seven months ago. Um, That data led to the genesis of even starting this company in the first place. But, you know, Equinox has always been a place that has has listened to the members, but also been very protective of their, their customers' data and their members' data. And that kind of a relationship allows for a lot of trust. And so you have members today who really do share information with you, not just about when they check into a club, but who their trainer is and what their workout regimen looks like. Um, you know, they may be spending time in there just from a, a work perspective or a co-work perspective in the in the hospitality spaces. And so there is a lot of information that gets shared back and forth, but our members are very, very engaged. Um, but it wouldn't just be the Equinox members, frankly, either. I mean, if you meet people who are really dedicated to SoulCycle, you have a very, very passionate fan base who's involved there. And, and you you see the same things as you get into some of the smaller brands that we have, like Precision Run. Um, those those kinds of places just they've continually been really good at listening to members and protecting the data. And the combination of that has has led to you know a lot of trust to to be able to, to capture it. So where does kind of the digital platform? And I'd love to get into a little bit more of the specifics here of what exactly the different parts of sort of Equinox Media really are. So where does this digital platform now fit in to this reality, which is people want to work out, people are coming to work out, and you want to give them more. What are what exactly is the media platform? 
Yeah, well, it's really built on four pillars. Um, the first one is definitely content. We have, you know, expert content uh, being created every single day, just not always being captured. Um, and the quality of those experiences going into digital form is really important. So when you say so when you say content, okay, so what is it? I mean, uh, soul cycle classes. I mean, you know, Equinox group fitness classes. I mean, strength instruction, yoga, all of those types of things right. are happening inside of our platforms today. They're happening only in in real life and only live. Um, but the ability to share those with with members is um, is important for them and, and and obviously not unique in the industry. Got it. Okay. Um, the second part of that is really around uh, what programming looks like. Um, we do have a very unique point of view about what you should do to achieve your goals. We have uh, an Equinox Fitness Training uh, Institute. We've got 6,000 coaches who've been through it. So we have a very strong point of view about what you should be doing if your goal is to add five pounds or lose five pounds. And um, so those types of things, uh, you know, translate very well into the democratization of plans so that you can pull one up and know what you're supposed to do every single day to, to be getting better toward your goals. The third part of that is coaching. Um, those coaches, not only can we give you a, you know, an automated plan to follow, but if you need a little bit more than that, if you need, you know, personal training by FaceTime, if you need accountability that comes from, uh, from an interaction with those coaches, if you need just a little bit more help with form or instruction to make sure you're doing it well, then we obviously have that scale already built and, and technology becomes really just a platform for, for those interactions between our coaches and, uh, and our members. And then the last part, of course, is, is the omni side of it, the, the ability to do it both in physical and digital space. And so combining those four things in a way that it's a very integrated experience for our members is, is what we're aspiring to do. So is this, is this mostly for when you're thinking about sort of KPIs or even just goals here about building these four pillars? Is this mostly for current members? Is this mostly to or does this actually is this going to also be a customer acquisition tool that we can offer a lot of these different things now? It's not just come and do a group fitness class, come and lift some weights. It's you get that plus all of these other things. Yeah, absolutely. It's an and and not an or. Um, so for us, it's easy to start with our existing membership group because they already love the brand. They're familiar with our, our terminology, our programming. They're familiar with the content. They know many of the coaches. So for that group, it's a wonderful place for us to, you know, start our business, for us to get great feedback and to make sure that we're publishing and iterating on that experience as we go forward. But there's a lot of this country that doesn't live very close to an Equinox or near a Soul Cycle. Um, I happen to be from Detroit. We do have one Equinox there. We have no Soul Cycle yet, um, but it doesn't mean that people don't clamor for that great content that they don't know these brands because they do. Because we have a very transient society who makes their way to these markets. That you know, social media has flattened out a lot of the information asymmetry around a lot of those things anyway. And and people want access to those brands. So our ability to bring them to you, whether you're a member who lives across the street from a club or a Soul Cycle, or or maybe 500 miles away, but but aspirationally wants to work out with these these same coaches and and have that same access to content, um, I think it becomes an and strategy for sure. And that's so interesting because, I mean, you mentioned kind of, you know, the $4.2 trillion wellness economy earlier. Um, but you've seen kind of a homegrown industry of so many influencers and people who are just really fit people doing YouTube videos, right? I mean, we saw this over the last decade, people just saying, okay, I'm really good at sit-ups and I'm going to show you how to do really <laughs> good sit-ups. I may have seen one of those sit-up videos. Um, and this is, I mean, to me, it sounds like this is a great reason for a company like yours to say, well, why can't we do that? We already know all, how to do all the good setups. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is about the curation. You know, there is a ton of content out there today, but sifting through it is challenging. Um, you know, for us, we do have a very strong point of view about what good enough looks like, both in the production quality of that content, because we've all been out there and seen some some questionable production quality, uh, you know, out there floating around the internet. Um, some of it may be coming from my, you know, 13-year-old daughter's bedroom. But, 
in that case, you know, we have a really high bar and a point of view about what great looks like, um, both in production and the quality of the instruction. And so for us, we really intend to not aggregate all the content in the world out there. There are other people that do that. It's really curating it down to be the very best brands and best instruction you can get. Equinox has been known for that, but our other brands have, have as well. I mean, obviously you mentioned SoulCycle before and, and Precision Run. These kinds of places are, are places that are really amongst the very best places to work out and best places to get instruction. So we like holding that bar high and curating the best. So kind of what are, how do you know this is working? Um, what are your sort of KPIs that you're looking at? Are you looking at, you know, member retention? Is this going to help that? What What are some of sort of the KPIs here that say, okay, Equinox Media, what is it working towards? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's always a traditional side of these kinds of businesses because it's subscription-based that'll be looking at um, basic KPIs around what acquisition and churn and engagement look like. Um, those things will all be natural for us. What's beneficial is because we're doing it in conjunction with an amazing business that's been built over 20 plus years, it's also about the, the ancillary benefits that can come from member retention and engagement and really just helping people achieve their goals. Um, you know, it's amazing to see there are some great statistics out there to show that people who work out digitally are more likely to go to a gym or a club um, because they stay on the wagon. You know, it's easy to fall off and then you know, have a rest month, which is a little scary, right? Um, but a rest day is a great thing for you if you can stay on it the next day. And that, that day afterward, if you can't make it to a club, then digital maybe just keeps you on that routine and helps you make it back there the day after and the day after. So there's some wonderful symbiotic relationship between that that allows us to look at this, this business a little bit orthogonally. Got it. We're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back. Okay, so we're talking about building a media company at Equinox, Equinox Media. Let's talk, get a little bit deeper into that programming bit um, that you mentioned is one of sort of the pillars. Uh, what's it like internally? I mean, we get so many people on this podcast that are telling us, you know, all these amazing things they're doing, you included. And I like to ask them, how do they even start doing this? How do you start building kind of a media muscle within a company that's not a media company? It's never been a media company. Um, where do you begin? How have you sort of spent the last seven months? I know you sort of <laughs> haven't been there very long, but where do you start with saying, okay, what are the people I need? What is the talent I need? What are even just some of the new habits I need to have within this company that, again, haven't existed before? Yeah, well, I think there are a couple parts to that answer. I think one thing that, you know, the holding company at Equinox has been amazing at over time is curating new experiences, but doing them in an, a, an isolated way that allows them to really form their own culture and do their own thing. So, you know, SoulCycle is not embedded inside of Equinox, but it, it's owned by Equinox. And so... But that's, is that, that's sort of by design. You don't need, do you need people to know that... SoulCycle's owned by Equinox? No, I think you don't. But actually, I think purposefully, Soul feels different than Equinox does. And it does because they're in a different office with a different team, with a different culture, and a different point of view about what their ridership needs from them. And they're empowered to do exactly what's necessary to make SoulCycle an amazing place and the amazing place that it is. Equinox Fitness Clubs is like that. But in 2013, they launched Blink. And when they launched Blink, you know, Blink is a, is a more democratic price point from a fitness standpoint. But they're in a separate place, and Todd and his team do an amazing job over there. So I think there's been a great history of saying, if we don't do this as a core, let's just start it somewhere else and give it enough oxygen to breathe and become its own thing. And so for us, from a media perspective, we're fortunate that, that Equinox has done the same things from a holding perspective. We're in a different office. We have a different team. And so we're not you know, four kids in a corner trying to go figure out how to do this within this broader You're not an place. incubator, that terrible word. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's a terrible word, but it, it can be a scary one for some who've lived through it inside of big places. For us, we have a different team somewhere else. And so because of that, we're, we're curating talent that 
maybe doesn't know anything about fitness clubs, but knows a lot about media. And so, you know, from my background, I came from Under Armour. I spent six years there. And and in that time, we had, you know, acquisitions in this fitness space. We had media businesses. Um, I've run digital businesses and e-commerce and those things. So for us, just being empowered to pull on those networks has really been been the push. So I've spent a lot of time building out the studio and, and shooting that original content, of course, spending a lot of time building a team, uh, which has been uh, amazing, but, you know, a very different team than what you would build to run a, a fitness club. Uh, and then, of course, you know, really just fleshing out what the, the strategy is going to look like as we get ready for a rollout. So it's been uh, it's been a great run. What's been hard to hire for? Um you know, I, actually, it's one of the funny things. Um, one of the great parts of being inside of Equinox is how great the brand resonates. And so I'm actually surprised. I haven't had a lot of people turn me down yet, uh, which has been a wonderful <laughs> problem. You know, I think for us, it's really just about the pace, you know, trying to build a team really quickly, get that team to gel and, and run against building that first version of the product and the content. Just doing doing all that, you know, the old uh, adage of of changing on the changing the engine or working on the engine while the car's moving is where we are. So I think it's the pace that, that's more keeping us uh, very, very busy than, than any big hangups. We've been really fortunate on the recruiting front. It's funny. It's like, you know, so many years ago, I mean, a lot of people would sort of say, well, that's just branded content that they're doing. Oh, that's just content marketing. And it sounds like, no, you're trying to create an actual capability here that will help your customers do something else and maybe even help you attract new customers. But I'm so curious to hear just your thoughts on sort of this whole branded content, content marketing and where that's gone. Because I do think, you know, Equinox has had sort of was for the Roar magazine for a while now before that it was called something else, I believe. But there has been a history of sort of good and great even content marketing coming from this company. There's been a history of you guys used to hire like editors who had worked at sort of more editorial publications say, because this is just an editorial publication, we're going to hire the same people. And it dovetailed nicely with all of these trends of all these big companies saying, we're going to build newsrooms, we're going to hire journalists, we're going to hire content producers, we're going to hire producer producers. Is that a similar thing that you're trying to do? Are you trying to build essentially a media company? Again, media is a word that can mean anything to anybody. But how does that sort of work when you're thinking of, okay, I'm trying to build this company? Who are you looking at for inspiration? Who do you, who else do you look at and say, that's what I'm trying to do here? Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit in there, right? I, I think overall, I would say that we're more about experience than we are about media in the sort of traditional sense, if we were putting air quotes around it. Sure. Um, you're not selling advertising against all this. We're not, of course, <laughs> okay. right? So, you know, what we are doing is we're building great experience and great experience does come in digital form. Um, we do think that curators of great content help members and consumers understand what's great because what's happened in this world of digital is, is you know, the content proliferation is so great that it's sometimes just difficult to figure out where to even start. Um, and so for us, we've always had a point of view much longer than I've been here. And we're just trying to take that, that point of view more broadly and into the homes of our members where they're, where they're demanding it. I think when we look at inspiration, there are people out there that provide inspiration. I think, you know, for us, somebody like HBO probably provides some some inspiration because we do think that they curate well. And on top of that, they create a lot of their own really great original content. Um, so we, we like that. Um, you know, if you if you look at somebody like Disney, who does an amazing job in the online and offline model, we take inspiration there from the ability to engage with something like Disney Plus daily, but still have a theme park type experience, um, you know, that might be very infrequent. For us, that might be, you know, coming to the Equinox Hotel where, um, you know, there's a really strong point of view about a morning ritual and a nighttime ritual and and how to eat well and what an assessment looks like. And there's a full club in there, not, you know, one room dedicated to a couple treadmills. 
um, you know, that kind of immersive experience from a, a health and wellness perspective is is possible. So those are, you know, some of the people that we take inspiration from. But it's not really newsrooms. It's really just sort of media media companies or entertainment companies even. Yeah, I think entertainment is a is a good word. I mean, I think people who provide great experiences in this world are, are people who really can connect. And, and so brands are doing that. There was a time when brands were probably doing it more through physical goods. And I think now it's, it's transforming, especially as, as, uh, you know, society moves this way toward experiences. And, and in a world where I can capture experiences on my phone and post them to all my friends, suddenly experiences are tangible. They're not just the stories I tell, but I, I actually get to publish them myself. And, and that, that's allowed experiences, I think, in many ways to take a leadership position over physical goods. I'm curious to hear your point of view on that, especially coming from Under Armour, because, you know, experiences plus retail plus plus is, is such an interesting kind of space we're all playing in right now. So, you know, you look at Lululemon, you walk into Lululemon, now they suddenly have a cafe in there. And now they you walk into another store and they suddenly have yoga classes there as well. So people aren't going to places just to do the thing, whether it's to shop or whether it's to work out or whether it's to do something. The experience is, here's my sort of take on it. You can tell me if I'm wrong, I'm probably wrong, which is, it's pretty hard to tell if it's working because you can create, you know, for example, you can build a beautiful mall. I've heard a few malls being built recently. <laughs> so you can build a beautiful mall. You can have a ski slope in the mall. And you can also have a bunch of really expensive stores in the mall. And people come for the ski slope, essentially, or they come for the food court, or maybe they even come to the beautiful gym that they have on the third floor. But they're not coming to shop. And I think that's sort of the the weird place that a lot of people playing in the retail meets experiential space right now kind of find themselves caught in the middle with, like, are people actually going to spend money here? Because at the end of the day, we are trying to run a business. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on this as somebody who did come from a little bit of that world and knows clearly about experiences. Where are we going to go with this experiences thing? And is it actually going to lead to business being done? Well, I certainly hope so. Um, uh, that, do you think it's going to happen? Yeah, of course. We all right? hope so. But I think, you know, there, there's an old adage, right? It's, it's got to be at least a, a few decades old that, you know, half of my marketing is working. I just don't know which half, right? So um, I, I think that's been a, a long-held belief that some of the things you do are a little bit difficult to quantify, but it doesn't mean they're not working. And and if you like the way the recipe is is coming out and tastes in the end, if you don't know exactly which ingredient is what what added to that final that final taste, then I think that's okay. I think what's changed is there was a time when marketing drove people to stores. And I think now stores are marketing. Mm. And so as stores become marketing, then do they drive transactional business? Transactional business doesn't happen at the mall anymore. There's no point. It, it can just happen online. But it doesn't mean that that physical experience can't give me a better feeling for your brand, a better understanding, a, a better or a deeper connection with that. And that experience can't put you in the top of my mind. So then when I do have a, a transactional experience, then then you're in that space for me. And I, I think that's what you're seeing a lot of retailers and brands play with. And and as long as that becomes a, a shifting of the air in the balloon, so to speak, and how you think about marketing expense, then I think companies can do amazingly well. Mm. I think if you're going to open a space and say, we need to do X amount per square foot, and you know this is what the ROIC on that store needs to look like, then you're going to end up with a lot fewer stores. And that's just, and that's a complete, that's a little bit of a change in how people are, you mentioned kind of, you, as long as you're comfortable with making that change internally and saying, this is a marketing expense for me, and this isn't a 
revenue driver in, a, in that kind of way that you're used to, then you'd be okay. At that point, though, that, that makes that whole attribution thing pretty hard. I mean, everyone's, everyone's sitting there and going, well, I thought digital marketing and I thought e-commerce was going to change all this stuff for me. It's going to make me really understand where my marketing's working. I won't have to listen to that quote again about half my marketing not working, half my spend not, work, uh, not knowing where it's going and if it's happening. And yet we're back where we started. We're, again, we're back to saying, well, we think we're doing this for the right reasons, but we have no idea. I wouldn't say that we have no idea. I mean, there are pretty complex attribution models out there that, that do a pretty good job. Um, you know, you do as much quantitative as you can, and then you try to build some assumptions. You build an attribution model and you try to work your way through it. I think there are some really good partners out there who do it. And, and you know, I've been fortunate in my career to work with some great digital marketers and some great analytical marketers who've been able to, to provide those insights. But it's difficult to believe in any world now that a consumer is only getting media or impressions or whatever from one place and that you can perfectly attribute. Um, they're bombarded with more information than ever before. And so parsing that out is difficult. But again, it's a little bit, to me, like like the end menu. Um, it's difficult to know which piece of the ingredient exactly created it. But if you like the total recipe, if you like the taste when you're finished, then then you should be happy. And and I think that's what, what brands are finding. And I think it's why branded retail in some ways is winning over some non-branded retail today because brands have started with a point of view about experience and not started with a, a transactional retail relationship, so to speak. And, you know, there's always sort of the post-purchase survey. It's so funny. I ask all these like DTC brands who are, you know, born digital and they understand everything about digital and their founders probably like grew up in digital media. And I'm like, so how are you figuring out that this is working? They're like, we just ask people at the end of the purchase. And I'm like, huh, yeah. simple enough. It's actually get- amazing to see <laughs> that social media has become such a customer service tool. Um, yes, I could call a 1-800 number, but it's easier to just like blow somebody up on their Twitter feed. They'll get back to me really fast. <laughs> and so a lot of that happens today. And, and you see, you know, savvy consumers just go in that direction. That makes sense. Uh, one of my last questions, what is what has been sort of one of the hardest parts of building and growing kind of a media operation right now? Like what, if, what has sort of surprised you about what's difficult about it? Um, well, you know, for me, this has been the first time that I've run production all day, every day, you know, um, as a guy who comes from a strong branded background, you know, producing content has been a little bit more episodic. We create it, it becomes part of campaign or social or what we're doing from a a digital perspective, whatever we're putting in our retail stores, but it becomes very on off. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we're running every day. And so that's really been a a great part of the learning experience. Every single day in the studios, we have, you know, lighting folks and camera folks and and talent is in there and makeup artists. And and so we're we're really running a, you know, a half fitness club, half, uh, half, uh, you know, production studio every single day. And just the the organized chaos of that has been... Been awesome. Uh, it's been really fun to see, but but a great learning experience for me and and helping us organize that chaos and also you know run a corporate business upstairs from it um, has just been an, uh, you know really a really fun and interesting mix. I think that sounds very fun. I'm assuming the instructors are very happy about being in the spotlight once in a while. Yeah, I think they're very <laughs> happy. Look, they're, they're you know many of them as you as you said before are real stars. Pretty good looking. Yeah, their their reach is only so you know so far. So our ability to give them a little bit bigger platform is uh, is great, and they're uh, they're great at what they do. Amazing, Jason. Thank you so much for being on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. And that's that's all for today's episode of Making Marketing. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Pierre BNMA. If you like the show, please head to your iTunes store, search for a show, leave us a review. It helps new listeners find us. Thanks again for listening.